Virginia. William Hill, America's number one sports book, is now here. And we have a special 2021 offer to help you bet on all your favorite sports risk-free. Download the William Hill Sportsbook app, and when you sign up, you can get started with a risk-free bet of up to $2,021. Use promo code RADIORF. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. Let's make it interesting with William Hill Sportsbook. I'm flinging myself into spring cleaning. I'm going to fling into spring at Total Wine and clean up on Chardonnays and fruit-flavored vodkas at low prices. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. If you are joining us, watching us live, watching us on YouTube, any other time other than live, or listening on Spotify, we thank you for listening. I am your host, Hunter Miles. This is Where Is This Going? A podcast usually about artists that you don't know, but would soon grow to appreciate. Today, I am your artist. Hi. Hello. I'm Hunter Miles, a comedian. I struggled to find a guest today. Well, I had a guest scheduled, then they had a, it's, it's a thing. But, yeah, okay, we're keeping up with the angles. I like it. <laughs> if, I hope you guys are appreciating this work. Uh, my buddy Kalmink here, great producer, has hooked up two angles for us, as you see. And he's doing his best to channel fluidly. And I appreciate that because we run a high production show here. Anyways, high quality production coming at you. Uh, like I said, though, we had a guest scheduled for today. And then I was kind of struggling to find a replacement guest. But I do. I did find a lot of artists that you will be coming to you in the future. But I also decided, you know what? Maybe before I continue showcasing other artists, maybe I can showcase my own credibility, which I don't really have any besides knowing people with camera and in in audio production and in the art community. Uh, so I don't really have any credibility to be bringing all these artists to you, but I'd like to at least show you or tell you a little bit about myself uh, and, I don't know, talk about what's on my mind. Um, for, so, yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode. It's going to be mostly about me and comedy and my ramblings and thoughts about anything. Um but first off, I guess I will tell you about myself. Uh, I've been doing this podcast now. It's been, um, well, we had like 12 episodes. This will be episode number 12. Uh, some of them, I think the first three or four actually fell off the face of the earth. I don't know why. Um, probably just some issues with the podcast hosting site that we were using before. But, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, we... <laughs> Uh, there's about 11 episodes and I haven't really explained who I am. Uh, and I guess I am an artist trying to showcase other artists. And so you guys know, I'm sure that I do stand up comedy. I've been a huge fan of stand up comedy for quite some time. Uh, like Dane Cook, obviously growing up in middle school and stuff. Dane Cook was one of the first comedians I saw that was making it big at the time. But from there, I got really invested, and unfortunately, Jeff Dunham was an influence. <laughs> I say unfortunately because I don't really, I don't want to say I don't respect what he does now, but it's I'm not a fan. Definitely, it's not uh, my taste, mostly because all the puppets are basically like the same characters, and none of them have really developed at all since. See, I'm not, <laughs> all right, so I'm not alone on this thought, but 
I just don't dig it. But getting into comedy or like learning about stand up, he was one of the first acts that I saw on TV or whatever. My co- I remember my cousins went and got uh, tickets to see him live, but also Gabriel Iglesias and George Lopez were like my first intros into stand up comedy. And Dane Cook and Louis C.K. are what really got me <laughs> as weird as. As hard as it is to admit that, if like in public, that Louis C.K. is a huge influence, even though. I thought you would be more opposed. Yo, wait. Let me get. <laughs> I was. I was gonna say both because both both are equally embarrassing. I think, but for different reasons. I, I really. Dang, killed. Obviously, the ticket sales prove it. Um, and Louis is an amazing writer. Uh. But also, may I add, I was 12 years old when I thought Dane Cook was really great. And uh, you know what? I grew up a little bit. That his, um, his atheist uh, reincarnation, like the atheist sneezing bit in the elevator is still one of my favorite uh, written bits. But, or performed. Anyways. Moving along, uh, I that's where I fell in love with stand-up comedy was like fifth, sixth grade, so much so that I thought I could do it. I did. I auditioned for our fifth grade talent show, fifth grade camp talent show, as a stand-up comedian because even in fifth grade, everyone was just telling me how funny I was. What can I say? <laughs> I'm a hilarious person, but I bombed that audition. As I was 12 years old, and the three judges were 40 plus years old, uh, and they were all teachers, fifth grade teachers. I guess they didn't relate to my material. Maybe I should have been more universal at the time, but I also don't believe I wrote anything because I was in fifth grade. I was literally 12 years old. Uh, I I had gone in with hopes to win them over with. Uh, stories about my sister and my mom during the talk, but they didn't like it. I, I don't remember what I was going at with my sister, um, but I think it was just that my sister, here's a quick story. My sister uh, gave her old cell phone to my mom when I was in fifth grade. My sister was like a sophomore in high school. And so it was about 2006 or so yeah 2006 2007 when um what was it hip swing oh shit back it up now move it like a gypsy uh that was my sister's ringtone when she had the phone and then my mom got the phone and we're sitting in my fifth grade classroom all the boys and their parents all the fifth grade boys and their parents at my elementary school and my mom's phone goes off in the middle of, you know, one of the most awkward parts of being 12 years old, learning about all the puberty. And it's awesome that they just invited your mom in for that talk, too. Anyways, that was a little embarrassing. Uh, but I believe that's that's what the uh, premise of my first comedy audition was. And it didn't go that well. I... I regretted not when I got to fifth grade camp and saw the people who performed one of them being, um, I don't remember the kid's name. I do remember the kid's name. I'm not going to say it, but he's saying you had a bad day and you know, it was a great performance. I'm not going to lie, but I felt like I could have beat him and I don't know if he won. He probably didn't. But I knew I was better than that. But I just, I skunked the audition. That's on me. Any Jew. Um, I'm trying to give an origin story here for myself, which is just odd. I, so Dane, once again, I'll state for the record, Dane Cook was a big influence for me. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he was my introduction to stand-up comedy. But I don't know, like growing up, Growing into comedy, like Hannibal Burris, John Mulaney, Aziz Ansari, like that was my whole Pandora um, playlist and stuff. My Pandora radios was only like stand-up comedy and then Sublime. 
because I, I I really like music, but I, I I'm a stoner. I only listen to Sublime. No, um, that was just actually when I was a stoner. That was that was mostly the ages of 17 to 19 was only Sublime and stand up comedy. But it was an easy life. <laughs> it was it was less complicated, and it was joyous. Um, but no, I super super loved. Um, I fell in love with Tom Segura and podcasts and stuff like that in like 2016. I want to say um, after coming back from CMU, I went to CMU for like two years after I graduated high school, and I flunked. Uh, I I dropped out of college to come back to GR and then had a kid and whatever. Now that kid's in school himself. I My son has pictures tomorrow, and I don't know what to do about it. Like, the outfit and stuff, I never thought I'd have, like, anxiety over what my kid's going to wear to school. But it's being adult now, I guess. New anxieties come into life. Any Jew. Um... But yeah, I fell in love with podcasting and Tom Segura in um, like 2016. And then I actually felt like from listening to so many Marin episodes and getting everyone's origin stories, basically, as it were, um, like from stand up comedians to sketch uh, comedy actors, improv uh, SNL cast members, and just Mark Marin's great interviewing uh, skills I just became enamored and it felt like comedy was actually an achievable goal even though after hearing all of the like the hoops that everyone like mostly like the SNL things I always they always had to start somewhere either in stand-up comedy and then move to improv and then to SNL or whatever but through a obviously that's a shortened version, but of a journey, but the journey sounded achievable and pleasurable, even though hard. Um, now please don't take that last phrase out of context. I realize (laughs) how that could be taken. Pleasurable though hard. Um, (laughs) But but then I actually felt like I could do comedy and or podcasting. I felt like I had a personality for it after being told my whole life how funny I am. And yeah, a lot of it was just trying to distract from how uncomfortable I felt. Uh, the reason I was so good at acting or uh, producing awkward situations was because I always felt like I was in an awkward situation and I had to break it. Uh, so if I could make others awkward around me, it would put them at my level and then we could both laugh from there. And that was my whole coping mechanism of feeling like an awkward, tall, questionably homosexual at the time in middle school, uh, Mixed kid, yeah, clumsy, lanky. You didn't know me in middle school, but thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, I was clumsy. But, yeah, everybody everybody thought I was gay in middle school, fifth grade, uh, probably going into high school because all my friends were girls. All my best friends were girls. And I don't know why. I don't know why all my friends were girls. I Most of the guys I generally grew up with were dicks. Cause I grew up in Zealand and nothing but a bunch of assholes here, but no offense to the friends I did make, <laughs> but I, it's a, cl- it's a clashing of personalities and things like that, that I got along more with females, but that just, and where I thought it would be less drama just because it was, I didn't get picked on when I hung out with girls. When I hung out with guys, everyone was shitting on me. I just couldn't take it at that time. And I didn't get picked on uh, by my female friends. So I thought, you know, they're a lot nicer people. I might as well surround myself with nice people. Um, But then that just brought on unnice comments. So I was constantly defending myself, not only my sexuality at 12 years old, which I probably shouldn't have to, but also my ethnicity, which I never should have to defend how black I really am. 
because that question was thrown at me my whole life was well you're you're only like 25 percent black are you how black are you and i was like i i blacker than you we're in zealand i can almost guarantee uh, i'm blacker than you but i never should have to tell people that but i did and that was something i grew up with but i also had to I have encounters with still for some reason like I make light of it on stage all the time about how I'm kind of black but I have to specify even then that I'm half black Um, but then I'll have just wild encounters with still having to defend my race which is weird it's not something I ever thought I'd have to do but I didn't think it was anything anyone had to endure throughout life defending uh except for if you were albino then i would understand and you know what if i'm your albino black guy i'll take it um but i don't feel like i'm at that level uh anyways i don't know where i'm going with that um so i started doing comedy uh after i got out of rehab and stuff like I said, I I fell in love with comedy even more at a like a deeper level with Tom Segura and like John Mulaney and Mark Norman um, and around like 2016, 2017, I went into rehab uh, from crack and cocaine use um, or due to crack and cocaine. I don't know how you phrase it, but I went to rehab for about a year uh, here in West Michigan and after I came out, well, at that, what are we looking at now? Oh, so yes, after I went to rehab, they made me go to rehab. Go ahead, show it. <laughs> after I went to rehab, <laughs> I turned into Amy Winehouse and I died. No, um, sorry, dark note. I was in when i was in rehab or teen challenge whatever you want to call it it's it's billed as a christian discipleship program not an actual rehab but it is um you live there for a year and it's god all day every day 24 7 and definitely needed for most of us if not all of us at the time uh going through whatever trials we were there was drug addicts alcoholics sex addicts you name her. But uh, while I was in Teen Challenge, one of the younger guys, kind of, I um, I was approached to do join the school rally team, which is essentially going into schools, telling them your testimony or your, your don't do drugs story, your life story, why you're in rehab, and try to, you know, persuade people. It's charisma persuade kids to not do drugs not go down the path that you went down and usually i believe it was for school donations like the the school would donate then to teen challenge because teen challenge only runs on donations so after doing the school ones i went to like four or five different high schools and basically did that for like five hours uh just talking to different classrooms and stuff. So I got used to public speaking. And then I went to Grand Rapids Christian High School, which if you're familiar with the area, very big high school. Uh, it was like 1,100 total students. And our, um, what's it called? Our assembly was in like the main auditorium with all the students. And we were supposed to give five-minute testimonies or stories or whatever. I was up there for 15 minutes uh, mostly doing a little bit of crowd work and c- kind of getting laughs and it felt really good. And that's when I was like, Oh, I can continue to do this. Not, not just telling what the Lord has done in my life, but talking to people and bringing them joy or just changing their lives, making people think. So like at a macro point like my goal is as a comedian or as a public speaker or as an artist is to change people's lives and make them think but I know deeper than that it's really to bring them joy and I think that's the most productive way to change someone's life is to impact it positively with joy and 
That's what I felt called to do under the Lord's will at the time. And so I pursued it. I was going to, uh, I was going to do that at first by impacting the kids, by impacting the youth because the school rallies and stuff had like given me so much life. I was also going to churches every Sunday and singing and giving testimony. And at the time, believe it or not, decent voice. When you don't smoke cigarettes for a year, it's a wonder what it does for your throat. Um, your just general range of vocal abilities. Now it has been dead. So don't ask me to sing. Still can though. But um, I had done the church rallies and those weren't as conducive to humor and things like that. Uh, more tear jerking stories. So it gave me, <laughs> it gave me a way to work on both, you know, <laughs> uh, it gave me uh, access to different practices of public speaking. But in the end, I, I felt way more comfortable speaking to public places. And I wanted to go into youth ministry. Um, and I had an internship for that, that more or less fell through because I had already, while in pursuit of that, I was also in pursuit of comedy. Uh, I started comedy about a year ago after, or yeah, about a year ago, but that was because last new year, so 28, 2019, going into 2019, I had made a new year's resolution that I wasn't, I was going to stop pussyfooting around. I believe I've shared it on this podcast. I was going to stop pussyfooting around and I, I don't know why I keep referring repeating that phrase. I don't even know it's true origins, but, um, I was going to stop lollygagging cause that's better and actually pursue my dreams. I had the, Quit beating around the bush. yeah. <laughs> also, what does that mean? What, what's, what are you, what are you beating around the bush? Are you like stomping the grass around it or just shoot the bush? I don't know. Shoot the bush. You got enough bullets. Um, but yeah, I, going into 2019, I was like, I'm done oh, beating around the bush. <laughs> I'm done beating around the bush, which dates back to the early 15th century. In those days, hunting was a popular sport and the rich hired men to flush out the birds that were hiding in the undergrowth by beating the bushes with large sticks. So they weren't beating around the bush. They were actually beating the bushes. <laughs> so the phrase is outdated clearly. <laughs> so in the art or in the uh, in the spirit of deading that outdated phrase, I was going to stop beating around the bush. I'm glad I said it one more time and actually pursue my dreams. I had the means of going to an open mic. I had heard of like the steps I needed to do to pursue comedy, the steps I needed to take. And I knew I had Jake here, this amazing human being with the ability to one he built this studio to record artists and at the time i was not one uh i had admired it for very years i admired jake's work for very for very years for very many years geez come on guys i don't do well on my own <laughs> no i don't know i hear you switching um but it's oh yes yeah, also it and we're we're this far along. I might as well introduce who's in the studio with me. Uh, you guys know Jake. Hey. Yeah, oh. yeah. Wrong camera, bud. Yo. There we go. And uh, my amazing girlfriend Haley as well. She's gonna stay off camera, or is she getting in? There she is. Gotta love her. But yes, these are my audience members, uh, <laughs> my support staff, and my actual uh, audio engineer, who, I, like I said, I had admired in here for uh, doing what he does for many years, recording other artists, make, coming in while he's editing and mixing, and watching him do music for so long, Just watching someone pursue their dreams like the whole time I've known him, and I thought, you know, maybe he'd like to help me pursue mine. So... I approached him about doing this podcast uh, well over a year ago now, and as life got busy, as I had left a job and I was 
struggling to nail down a solid schedule, which believe it or not, took about a year so I could get back to you guys. Um, we took a break from after the four or five episodes uh, to come back with this. And we thank you guys so much for listening or watching or whatever you do. But uh, I just wanted to give you a little bit of my journey into this thing. Now I've been doing stand up for over a year. Uh, May last May was my first like show. I think it was at the end of May um, at Louis trophy house in Kalamazoo and thank shout out to um, Sammy McCrory, the host over there at Louis and Kalamazoo and um yeah, I've I've loved it ever since. I didn't do terribly great, but you know, I'll probably post a clip somewhere of that night. I have some uh, pictures and stuff that I post from it. But from there, I met a ton of great people, and that have really inspired me and supported me in my comedy journey, whatever you want to call it. Um. You will be seeing a lot of them on this podcast. I've decided that most of my most of my guests are going to be people that have been coming up with me or by my side. People that I'm close with, whether it be in the uh, music world, um, because I I do have friends that I've watched grow musically, uh, grow anywhere in their art and who have been supportive of me doing so, uh, once I finally found it, found what I wanted to do. And those are the people I want mostly on this, um, mostly on this journey with me as well. Uh, so those are going to be people I'm bringing to you first. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit my mission statement. It's it's a reason for you to listen more if you liked what I said at all. Uh, if you didn't, sorry. But we do have, um, I did have some, I posted on Facebook asking for uh, what you wanted to hear me talk about um, or, and or rant about. Uh, and I don't really, I'm not Bilber. I don't know if you know this. I, I, we actually don't have very many similar characteristics at all. Um, I got a beard. He has facial hair. That's all I got. But speaking of Bill Burr, anyone catch SNL last night? No, didn't think so. A lot of people. Jack White, Jack White was cool, and I thought of you when I uh, when we were watching it earlier. Um, yeah, anytime, anytime I hear Jack White or Bruce Springsteen or <laughs> any of those white guys with a guitar, I always think of Jake. <laughs> but I loved the. Um, all right, so we watched both episodes of both of the SNL episodes since they came back this weekend. We watched Chris Rock's, which was Rocky. Uh, no pun intended. It was intended. Uh, it, it was it was rocky. Uh, the the beginning of it. <laughs> oh, I thought you were just gonna search up Rocky. Um, the beginning, his opening monologue or stand up, whatever it was, was it was hard. Um, he th he started by thanking the first responders, which was nice. And uh, I don't know if they're doing this every week, but they had. Um, the first responders in the live audience for SNL on the floor there. Um, <laughs> I want to know what info you're going to find on Chris Rock. That's what I'm really interested in. <laughs> New break, breaking news on Chris Rock. Um, but I had heard Andrew Schultz say, uh, because I'd listened to Brilliant Idiots, Andrew and Charlemagne uh, talk about the episode before I'd watched it saying that it looked like he was reading cards off or reading words off the card that he had never seen before. And it, that was a very accurate, uh, rep or representation, a very accurate summary because it did like watching Chris rock who was on SNL as a cast member and watching him perform on SNL. Like he had never 
been on the stage before in my opinion like i've been like i'm anyone to talk about acting at all but as a consumer it didn't seem it was hard to get into he was he's stumbling through where he like sounding the words out because like it literally did sound like he had never seen the words before which was just hard to watch because you love chris rock as a stand-up comedian and as a writer in general but i don't know it was just rough and then the sketches were hard to get into because of that but the bill burr episode this past weekend i loved because I, I loved bill burr's uh his Virginia, William Hill, America's number one sports book, is now here. And we have a special 2021 offer to help you bet on all your favorite sports risk-free. Download the William Hill Sportsbook app, and when you sign up, you can get started with a risk-free bet of up to $2,021. Use promo code RADIORF. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. Let's make it interesting with William Hill Sportsbook ability to dig himself a hole and then pop out of it as a closer it was so quick um and if you missed if you missed it and you don't know what i'm talking about i'm not gonna do his jokes and ruin anything that i saw i don't want to make it worse for you um because it because it was a really great opening set um and then the sketches were all bill or like the sketches that he were in that he was in you could tell was like oh this is a character that is bill burr like this is a bill burr character it's a guy that that his that's stuck in the past it's basically uh it's awesome i thought the episode was great and you know what cancel me for it i don't give a fuck um i'm kidding of course i don't care that much i don't have anything to be canceled you can cancel this podcast it's not like i get paid for it um me either. Exactly. I'm I'm actually running behind in my payments for this podcast. I don't know if you guys are aware this economy is atrocious. But uh <laughs> we're going to keep trying to bring it back to you. Oh yeah, that's what I was uh getting into was um some the rants or thoughts what people want to hear me talk about, which uh, once again, I'm not qualified to make any uh real opinions, but Thank you for that's I am not Bill Burr, correct. <laughs> in case you were in case you were looking to make a comparison, here's Bill Burr. A little late. Yeah, here's Bill Burr. And here's me. We're not the same. Um but if you want to hear my rant, uh like okay, I, I actually did get um a couple good suggestions. Uh actually a couple of suggestions is all I got. But um, you'll see, uh, <laughs> I, I guess we'll find out. Um, I was asked to speak about the gentrification of Holland, which I understand the concept, but you also have to remember what Holland is. Can you gentrify something that is already white and conservative? Like the whole state, like the whole state, the whole city, Holland is Dutch, the name. Every church, basically Christian reformed. I don't know where to go up here with gentrification. I understand basically what um, I was asked to speak about was the new, there was a new taco stand, taco, not taco stand, taco restaurant. Is it a taco bar? All right, maybe I should do actual research because I the the suggestion I got was pretty vague, but this person had also uh, spoken on the topic at hand. Um, but it was a new taco bar, which is an odd thing. Is it outdoor? Do you know? No, I think it's where I actually have no idea where it is. Okay, all I know that it's it's a white owned taco restaurant, which. You know, I'm going to have to say it's probably not that good. If it is it Taco Plus Bar? I, I don't know. That's weird. I guess. Um but uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting off to a rocky start. I don't have any sponsors, so I'm able to go off the cuff, but 
I also don't want to, you know, ruin the possibility of getting any sponsors. So before I go off, I want you to know if you like this podcast and you would like to see it done better, maybe more time uh, devoted to it, uh, maybe more thought by me. Um, pay me for it. Uh, what I'm <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, if you like this podcast and you would like to sponsor us you can go ahead and send me an email at where is this going pod at gmail.com and i tell you we'd love to have you we can promote anything to an average of at least 16 viewers per video so that's what you're getting um okay so uh there's been some some feathers ruffled We'll say over. <laughs> Thank you. This is the email. If you, <laughs> if you, if you're watching uh, and you don't know how to spell all that, here it is. It's where is this going pod at gmail dot com, uh, and it's actually the dot, not the word dot. But <laughs> there has been some. Fe- I hate you. <laughs> there has been some feathers ruffled over. Uh, a, a new bar opening in this pandemic in 2020 in White Holland. Okay, I say I always say White Holland. Holland is pretty, especially compared to Zealand. Holland has a lot more Mexicans and Latinos. I I don't know where they're from. This is an uh, this is gonna this is coming off awful already. Um. But if I were, to, I know it has it's has a large Latino or Latinx community in Holland and Zealand, um, and so there are a lot of Mexican rest or restaurants, supermarkets, or Hispanic super. I don't know uh, Latin supermarkets um, like Mi Favorita and uh, Rosie's Supermercado, or is it just Rosie's? I don't remember. There's another one on Washington too. They're all they're all over Holland. They're all over Holland. Um, but there's a lot of authentic. Um, I almost said Ponderosa, but that's definitely not. Uh, what am I thinking of? Taco Fiesta on Lakewood. Um, but yeah, and there's authentic um, Hispanic owned. Uh, family like Hispanic family owned restaurants all over <laughs> all over Holland and there are, have been some feathers ruffled about uh, a new Mexican restaurant that is white owned uh, opening downtown and I understand I I always think that when white people do ethnic food it doesn't turn out great so I would think just from a business standpoint, you wouldn't want to open a, a white-owned uh, Mexican restaurant. But also, I don't have the facts. Uh, I may be just jumping off a bridge here. You know, we're going to move on to the next topic, which is something I actually do know about. And uh, it's about how knowing someone with mental illness can shape your view or change your view on mental illness. And when I was asked, uh, when someone had uh, posted that, it made me think like, did I have a conversation with this person about it? But I, I don't remember if I have or not, but it is something that has been talked about. I don't know in which specific social circle, any Jew, um, I've struggled with mental illness for quite some time. I don't know how open I've been with it on here, uh, but struggling with depression and things like that. Why? Why am I now being so vague? I <laughs> I struggled with depression and anxiety, pretty rough anxiety, um, but even worse depression. I think actually I don't know which one affected me worse, but I. Uh, more anxiety so started in middle school, like late middle school and high school. And then it was a lot of that, 
like I had explained, the having to defend myself um, at all times. So I was always worried about where I was, where the next attack was coming from. Um, whether it be about my race, uh, whether it be about me being gay. Um, and it, it's weird because I always knew, I knew for sure where I was. I knew that I was half black and half white. I knew for sure that I was straight. But having to defend other people's perspectives of myself um, really just made me feel like I couldn't I couldn't focus on anything that I needed to actually do. Uh, I was overrun with anxieties about clothes and, well, obviously everyone is about clothes, but being black enough, being white enough, which I never had to worry about being white enough, look at me. Um, but being too white, maybe. I Those were things I always, it got to me because every day it was questioned or every day it was addressed. And I, I felt like I could never just go through a normal day without someone picking apart who they felt I was as a person. And a big coping mechanism at that time was just being social and trying to be accepted by everyone. Uh, to where, I mean, definitely some negative aspects or some negative what's the word I'm looking for repercussions uh, surfaced with me <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for Bill Burr that's right no some negative repercussions uh, <laughs> some negative repercussions surfaced because when you're doing a lot to please so many people um, you you not please people like that I don't know what you're <laughs> commenting on um but when you're trying to please everyone uh what was it pleasure though hard? pleasure <laughs> though hard um <laughs> when you're trying to please everybody you you take yourself and like what you actually stand for you shove yourself to the back to to try to please others you know be who you, they want you to be and you feel untrue to yourself and you end up hurting a lot of people around you people that you may care about people that you don't really care about but you still should and you realize that you're not caring about these people and yeah that's that's where my my anxiety really effed me up socially uh while i because it effed me up socially while trying to fix it socially um which is just weird and a lot of a lot of um i guess rejection because i was trying to fix everything so, so you <laughs> a lot of rejection as a result of trying to cure my anxiety my social anxiety basically socially uh that brought a lot of rejection and most of that rejection came from myself before even putting myself in those social uh, practices, I guess you could say. I'm talking a lot in circles, but maybe that gives you a little bit of in-depth perspective of a one person with depression and or anxiety, with mental illness. Um... But I say I say that to say I can find most of. <laughs> Will you quit? Oh, I forgot something else is going on here. <laughs> um, but I say that to say I I never really had um, a stigma against mental illness because I never had known anyone with mental illness before, I guess, discovering or coming into my own. But I hope, I've always hoped and I've believed that knowing someone uh, or hearing someone talk about their mental illness or their mental health 
in general, their mental health issues, uh, gives people a broader perspective or a, a broader or deeper. I don't know which one. Um, because a lot of people shoot. We've we all know the comedians, the big comedians, not your local Grand Rapids comedian that you'll see on this podcast from time to time. But like Robin Williams, that's always my number one go to Brody Stevens. Uh, but all these comedians that have struggled publicly with depression um, and how you didn't think like you would you wouldn't know it if they would have wouldn't have said it you know what I mean you wouldn't you wouldn't question their stability if they wouldn't have told you I'm not stable and so it, I think that's done a lot to change or diminish the stigma around mental health issues um but i think just on on personal levels like you know there can always be more done so what what i really have to say is tell people about your mental health address your friends mental health ask them how they're doing because we've we go through the world with just i think the assumption that there's a normal there's um when you ask someone how they're doing, they're going to say, I'm fine. And that means they're fine uh, because that's the baseline. That's what everyone's expecting. So someone who is struggling with depression or with anxiety is always going to say fine because they know that's where they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be fine, whatever fine is. Um, but shit, don't be afraid to reflect on yourself. Like when this seems so cliche, but when someone asks you how you're doing, actually like think about it for a second. Not many people take time to do that mental like self-evaluation. Uh, like, and maybe it, I hope it doesn't, but maybe it does take someone asking you, how are you for you to really check in and be like, how, how am I? I don't even know how, how I'm getting through the days. Um, cause a lot of it is struggling. And I know because I'm also struggling. Uh, I use, like I said, comedy to cope. Um, and you know what? That's not always for some people, whether it be my comedy or just comedy in general. But I enjoy it. Everyone has their way of coping. And as long as it doesn't harm others, like drugs or alcohol or hurting people. But I have heard that uh, hacking up a body can be a great stress reliever. So who am I to judge? But <laughs> go for a run, too. I haven't tried that one. Um, I don't equate it to hacking up a body, but I think either result in death for me. Um, but don't be afraid to address your own mental health. Uh, I've... I want to stress that enough because you hear so much talk about self-care and um, treat yourself, but I think we need to be treating ourselves mentally. For me, I have to get off Facebook like hardcore. I try to only go on Facebook to promote things like this podcast or comedy shows and stuff like that. So for that reason, I feel like I can't delete the app, but I hate everything about it basically fuck facebook i and also i'll be promoting this episode on facebook um <laughs> as i just did our past episode on facebook if you want you can find it follow us on facebook at the where is this going podcast um like us on facebook <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and, um we're not gonna <laughs> no we're good um <laughs> know what this site's about um <laughs> anyways don't be afraid to address your own mental health and i think we all know the close people to us that you feel you can ask about their mental health um but I, I always want to say check up on your friends that I've had many a dark times where I 
didn't have anyone checking up on me. And that wasn't anyone else's fault but my own because I told every, I basically pushed everybody out. But like I said, that's my own doing. And so, like Dan Pena said, sometimes you need some, <laughs> sometimes you need some tough love. Uh, no one's ever called you a fucking pussy before, and maybe you need that. Um, maybe he, maybe those were his words. Um, but not so much. Don't if you have a friend that struggles with mental health, maybe with their mental health, maybe you shouldn't call him a fucking pussy. But. But it does take some work to get people out of their shell uh, when they are feeling secluded, like they need to seclude themselves. So being almost abrasively loving can help. Um, what are you? I don't know what you're doing. Oh, shell coming out of their shell. Yes, it would be better if these were just automatically on the screen when I. <laughs> Uh, yeah, out the yeah, we'll we'll do it in post next time. Maybe we won't go live, um, but yeah, I your mental health is not something to push to. <laughs> your mental health is not something to push to the wayside, um, and I think it should be one of your top priorities when you. God, I. <laughs> It's hard to take this seriously. I'm trying to tell you all that mental health should be a top priority, but this is what I can't... This is what I'm being shown as I'm talking about it. There's no way to take even what I'm saying seriously. <laughs> My podcast is being sabotaged from the inside. Um, but yeah, I also... Hey, uh... Shit, Jake, I probably should have sent you these pictures before. But um, if you guys want to see me live and in person, um, I got, uh, I like I said, I do um, Paris Lounge every Thursday night at 9 p.m. What is this? Okay, uh, every Thursday at 9 p.m. in Holland at Parrot's Lounge. Um, come check it out. I. It's a fun show. We had a little rough time this past week. Uh, I don't know how I can really. Should I explain what, what happened or no? Should I get into it? It's. It's. That that's saying more about you. Um, <laughs> all right, this is what I'm trying to airdrop you something. I don't know if it'll pop up, but so we were ending. We had a a, a large lineup last week at the show, and um, at, before the show started, there was a gentleman who uh, who had asked to go up and. I said, sure, I can give you some, give you some time. He ran the light. It's whatever. It was his first time. He didn't really probably know what the light was. But then there was, uh, after the show was done, show completely finished. We actually, we did like a two hour long open mic. And then this other guy was trying to grab the mic. Hey, can I go on? Can I go on? No, whatever. It, it was, uh, a Latino gentleman who, after we told him that he couldn't go on, just decided he was going to address the crowd without a mic, which I felt was fine because it's parrots and people do that all the time. People just yell at people in general announcements. And uh, he had started out with these niggas is pussy. And that's when I was like, all right, well, now I still have the mic. So I'm just going to tell him not to say nigga, uh, especially when he then turned to me because he was talking about me saying these niggas is pussy and I don't like not black people using the n-word I think most people agree on that uh, if you're not black don't say nigga and I'll say it again if you're not black don't say nigga um, and if you're in the 
Latino community, that means you as well. I'm sorry. And I'll say it to your face, but especially if your face is in a little circle on the internet and I don't have to talk to you face to face, uh, like on Twitter or something, it's a lot easier to do it then. But I had to do it face to face in real life and the cops got called. Not, it wasn't that quickly, uh, but just tensions rose as. Anyways, so if you want to come out to Parrots, it's a great time. Uh, <laughs> every week, every Thursday at 9 o'clock, Parrots Lounge, downtown Holland. Maybe you'll catch some some heat. I don't know. Uh, it, was, it was a wild time, but it was fun. It was a great show before that. Um, so all I can, all I can say is that he felt so comfortable after the show cause he had heard so much and he had been welcomed, uh, that he felt he could talk his shit. His shit was not something that we all liked and oh well, but it was a great show. Nonetheless, we have, uh, witnesses to that, but, uh, I'm doing a couple, uh, live shows here coming up soon. Uh, the first one on October 3rd, uh, or October 23rd, I meant. Um, I will be at the Comedy Night at uh, Dave's Tavern in Holton. Uh, I'm a special guest. Uh, headlining on the show is John Batch, hosted by Scott Zank, with your feature, Abby Lemke. Uh, I'll be a special guest at that show. And then on November 7th, I am doing a dead comics show uh Super excited. I was going to go with Brody Stevens, but that comic was already picked. Uh, as I am a fan, if you've been to the live show or to Parrots at any time, you'll know I'm a fan of the positive push. But uh, I cleaned up here with Mitch Hedberg. So we'll see. Um, we'll see how the show goes i'm i'm actually really excited uh on the show you'll see adam cameron as is that sam kennison cam honeyager as ralphie may uh beautiful picks um i'm really excited for that show it's going to be a ton of fun i think casey curran is going to be there as uh brody stevens or john belushi i don't remember but it's going to be a fun time. So that's November 7. Uh, get your tickets now. I believe they're on. You can get them on Facebook if you search uh, Scott Zank, who will be hosting that show as George Carlin. Um, but yeah, November 7 starts at 10 p.m. It's a $5 ticket. Uh, grab your tickets soon. And I also just got offered or asked to be on the Battle of the Sexes show um, for Brianna Blackburn, Funny Girl Bree, uh, asked me to be on her um, Battle of the Sexes show at on uh, November 29th, uh, I believe, at her house. I'm not positive. Uh, more info to come on that soon. But if you want to see me, that's where you can see me. Is there anything else I wanted to talk to you guys about? Um, what else did I do this weekend? I went disking. Went did pretty well discing today. Wasn't awful at least. Um, shit, now I'm just rambling. If you uh, now, nah. <laughs> so this has been the first solo podcast. Uh, hopefully, we don't have to do it again. But also, if you liked it, let me know. Uh, maybe we can. I'm not as comfortable. I do feel better with these people in here. Maybe I'll get to a point where I. I've reached the psychosis to just talk to a camera and uh, have commentary with myself. Um, maybe I'll reach that state soon, but for now my mental health is going decent uh, to where unfortunately I do need others around me to have a conversation. But I appreciate you guys for listening. You know where to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at H Marcella shell. Um, Facebook, you know my name, and follow us on Facebook at Where Is This Going Pod or Where Is This Going the podcast. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Spotify. Uh, where Is This Going? You'll probably have to search my name too, Hunter Miles. And wow, you, if you Google us, we show up, huh? On Apple Podcasts. I want to see this. Yeah. Beautiful. We have actually three of that. Wait, what? No, take it off the screen. I don't want to. I don't want to see this anymore. <laughs> oh.
Oh, jeez. All right, take this off the screen. We're done here. Um, oh, wait, that's, that's where is this going? Okay, that's why. Phew. Big that was close. <laughs> All right, so make sure to search where is this going. Uh, not compound words. Um, two separate words. Where is this going? That's me. I don't know who this Felix guy is, but uh, he's probably more established than I. Um, and, yeah, email us your feedback, please. Uh, <laughs> where is this going? Pod at gmail.com. Follow... I already said it all. Follow us, like us, subscribe on YouTube. You'll, I'm, I believe you'll get notified if you, if you hit the, the ding dong bell, you'll get notified when we go live like this. So you'll be able to watch the show as it's happening, which I don't know if anyone did, but it, just remember to hit that ding dong bell. <laughs> yep, hit that ding dong bell, and you. <laughs> I want to. I don't want to know. It's a nursery rhyme. <laughs> Which I believe means it's public domain. But anyways, um, yeah, this has been Where Is This Going? Appreciate you guys for listening. See ya next week, hopefully. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Emerge 2021, GDIT's signature virtual event series. See Vision brought to life with GDIT and over 40 leading partners showcasing real solutions in digital modernization, emerging technology, and defense cloud. Register at GDIT.com slash emerge.